0: This is The Woman Behind the Business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livas. This week on The Woman Behind the Business, taking a leap of faith. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livas, and today our guest is one of my favorite shoe designers. She walks with confidence, speaks with grace, exudes style, and her poise is second to none. Tori Sudan is one of the few African-American female shoe designers in the world. At the age of nine, she was first introduced to fashion when her mother first taught her to make fancy Easter dresses. It wasn't until 1994 when she studied abroad and saw a demonstration given by a master shoemaker near Venice, Italy, that she realized her love for shoemaking. Fast forward to 2011 and her first collection made its debut. Last year, Tori unveiled her much-anticipated retail store at Tyson's 2 Galleria in McLean, McLean, Virginia, alongside some of my other favorites, Prada, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, and other luxury brands. Today's guest is none other than my Odyssey sister, woman-behind-the-business supporter, and luxury shoe shoe designer. Tori Sudan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank
1: you. (laughs) Good evening.
0: Okay, so... Like, it's so funny because, like, when I was sitting here thinking, like, how do I want to start our conversation? Mm -hmm. There's so many different things that we can talk about. Right. Um, But I think I want to talk about how, you know, at such a young age, you were introduced to fashion. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we, you know, as parents... We don't realize that the things that we're exposing exposing our kids to, the experiences that they're creating is also kind of planting seeds of potential opportunities. So when your mother first had you helping make these Easter dresses, mm-hmm. did it feel more like a chore or was it something that you became excited about?
1: Right. Well, you know, it it did seem like a, a chore, but one of the things my mother did is she knew that I, I was excited about having a new dress for Easter because it was a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. I was a little girl. I loved the little frilly dresses and the, you know, cute little socks and everything. So when I was nine, she said, okay, I'm not going to buy you one. You know, if you want one, you have to make it. So it was kind of like to me, well, I want a dress. So I might as well just, you know, Mm -hmm. give in and and see what what sewing is about. And it didn't click right away for me. At first, it was just like, oh, my goodness, I don't know. You know, why can't we just buy one? So I had (laughs) some pushback, you know, but eventually as a kid, I started to see it like, playing a game Mm -hmm. you know it was like putting together a three-dimensional puzzle it was like a challenge you Mm -hmm. know because you have this fabric and you cut it into all these pieces and ultimately you have to put something three three three-dimensional together Mm -hmm. and you know to me it was just the challenge of seeing the finished product and it started to be exciting you know for me Mm -hmm. and the other thing about being young is that you know when when children are young they're open Mm -hmm. they haven't been discouraged they haven't been you know taken all the intake of the world that tells them they can't do this and they shouldn't do this and all the insecurities. Mm -hmm. So I just received it. Mm -hmm. I really just received it and I was open about it, you know, but I'm I'm really glad that my mother shared that with me. It's actually a tradition in my family. Now or it always has been? Well, my grandmother so made beautiful quilts and she knew how to make beautiful clothes and so did my great grandmother. Oh wow. Yeah, so they all made beautiful quilts. And so for me that's something near and dear to my heart, you know, because they did that. And I always think about quilts and what that means. You know, quilts are something where you take Something that you would normally throw away. Mm -hmm. And you put it together and you make something beautiful. Mm -hmm. And not only something beautiful, but something that serves a purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. it keeps you warm. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of pride in that, you know, that people in my history were able to, my people in my family were able to be creative and to, you know, leave their legacy. This is so cool because... Some of your patterns in your shoes look like quilts. You caught that, didn't you? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's a tribute to my relatives uh-huh. who made beautiful quilts. And and not only to my relatives, you know, it's a part of our culture. Right. You know, quilts are even more meaningful than just keeping warm and having something beautiful. I mean, they were um used to free slaves and communicate and tell stories. Tell right. stories. Right. You right. know, to to maintain history. Mm -hmm. So that is just so significant to me you know. But yeah, you caught that. You're the first person that has caught that.
0: Well, I think it's because now that I have the understanding Mm -hmm. of like your history and that, you know, this quilt making is very near and dear to your heart. It comes out in your shoes. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it It sure does. Mm -hmm.
0: That is amazing. So tell me what this first dress looked like. I
1: wanted to ask that before. Oh, It was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was horrible. And of course, I, I have this habit of I have expensive taste, uh-huh. not not because I'm name brand, you know, driven, uh-huh. but I just have an affinity to things that are just expensive. I don't know why, you no. know, so I chose this complicated dress <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was just really hard to make. So, I mean, I did finish it, but it wasn't. Did you wear it? I did. I <laughs> did. I did. But, you know, it wasn't, you know, something that I would say is, like, beautiful and, you no, know, perfect.
0: I think that that would be an amazing, like, picture mm-hmm. to have, like, in your media kit. Oh, interesting! Like, I have this been, is something. This is where I started, right? And I never gave up, right? And this is where I am
1: today. That's true. You know, I don't, I don't, I haven't come across that dress. I don't know where that dress is, mm-hmm. but I have many of the things that I've made over the years. Yeah, but those are probably
0: good. I want the first one that was a
1: hot mess. <laughs> not, not everything is good. you were like, good. "Mommy, <laughs> I don't want to wear this dress." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but you know, not everything is good. But the funny thing is about it is being a child. Uh-huh. No one's gonna tell you that your dress looks. Crazy, right? You know, if you say, "Oh, I made this dress," everybody's like, "Oh, that's so beautiful!" So you know, it was like made me want to make the next dress,
0: right? You know. So did you use a sewing machine or you went sewing by machine. hand? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Now you said that you weren't. You know, in awe of fashion, even at that point. Right. So what happened or what moment in your life did you just have this aha moment? Like, you know, you know, I really enjoy fashion because yeah. you in, in high school, you also made dresses for your friends. Right.
1: right. Right. You know, for me at that age, I wasn't in tune to what it was that I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that it was fashion fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it was just it was a craft. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw it as a craft. And that's the part that I really enjoyed. You know, it was it was equivalent to um, teaching your child how to dance mm-hmm. and they just love dancing mm-hmm. and they don't know anything about the the glory Choreograph- of dancing. Yeah. You know, they just love being in that space. Right. So I learned I, I loved being in that space of creating and making clothes and just I used to I used to sew for hours I like I didn't have a social life in high school I mean seriously my friends knew where to find me Uh I was in my back room in my sewing room sewing everybody hung out at my house because if you know that's how I connected with people right because I was just it was my space I got lost Mm -hmm. in that space Mm -hmm. you know so I think for me that's how I knew it was just I love because it's really, it's really, really personal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, it's it's really personal when you're really in that space and you're doing something that you love. It's just, it's like you're one with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no separation between who you are and what you do. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So... Talk to me about the power of exposure um, and the experience you encountered that really opened your mind to new possibilities in the fashion
1: industry, like when you were at Spelman. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, what was interesting is, like I said, I, I really love to sew and everything. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of high school, I did start to receive all of the Input from the world and all the voices that said, you know what, creative fields, that's just a hobby. Mm-hmm. What are you really going to do in life? You know, you need to do something serious. Mm-hmm. So um, at that time, I did become insecure mm-hmm. and I just really didn't know what I was going to do in life. And I decided that I was going to attend Spellman and try to find something else. To focus on. So I left my past, my creative past behind, went to Spelman, didn't tell anyone that I sold or anything. Whereas back home, everybody knew that, that I did you. that, you mm-hmm. know? So I reinvented myself at Spelman. Uh-huh. But it wasn't until sophomore year when I had a roommate who told me that she wanted to run for Miss Maroon and White, which is Miss Morehouse pageant, the big pageant, mm-hmm. And she said, You know what? I really want to run. She was a sophomore, which was young, mm-hmm. you know, to, to enter. But she said, I don't have a dress. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I was like, You know something? Because, you know, I, it was, and, and I really wanted to help her. That's where my heart was in that moment. Like, uh-huh. I know I could make you a dress girl. You know, that was I was thinking. <laughs> so I ended up showing her a book of all the dresses that I made over the years. And so she was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you didn't tell me that. So she trusted me. I made the dress. And what that did for me is during the pageant, I sat in the audience while she walked across the stage and people reacted to the dress too. You I mean, also her, because beautiful, beautiful, right. talented. I just, I heard people saying during the formal Gown, they were talking about the dress, the dress. And it was just like a surreal moment where I was sitting there anonymous because nobody knew knew that I made the dress. And I sat there and cried. Like, you know, I feel like I had been searching for what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. It was like that Dorothy moment, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking for the shoes to get home, but Mm -hmm. you already got what you need. Mm -hmm. You know, it was that moment where it was like, I knew that I can be in fashion. I knew that I can do something. And I wasn't sure what it would be at that moment, but I knew that I was going to get back to it. So that's when I decided to study abroad mm-hmm. in Paris mm-hmm. because it was the fashion capital of the vo- of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I was just searching like, okay, you know, I know I'm supposed to be in this environment. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to be doing? Right. So I took a trip to Venice and stayed at a convent and, um, One of the nuns, you know, told me that there was a shoemaker in town and I should really see him because it was just something special. She didn't really even know about my background. She was just sharing, you know, attractions for the weekend. Right. So um, I had never really understood shoes before Mm -hmm. and and the amount of craftsmanship that goes into one pair of shoes, especially in Italy, particularly in Italy, Mm -hmm. because there are companies that are families who have been making soles for decades Mm -hmm. specializing there's there's Mm -hmm. such specialties you know they're making soles they're making heels they're they're specializing in the tannery the leather Mm -hmm. and you pull together all of these beautiful things Mm -hmm. and it makes a shoe you know the shoe is put together in the factory so I was just in awe of that like wow this is like really talent this is real talent over here Mm -hmm. you know I mean it was like Among looking at, you know, the Michelangelo paintings and this, that, and the other, there was also the shoe industry Mm -hmm. that was right there with everything else that you go to Italy and, you know, celebrate and appreciate about the culture.
0: Mm -hmm. And so what did that do for you, though? Like when you saw that master craftsman
1: creating that shoe, Mm -hmm. did it light a fire in you that said what? It it lit a fire just saying, you know what, I think I want to do that. You know, I want to... I just, I mean, I, 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 of course, appreciated craftsmanship because mm-hmm. of my background, my history. And when I saw that, I said, I want to take things to another level. Mm-hmm. To me, it was like another challenge another challenge (laughs) another challenge to make something else that's beautiful Mm -hmm. you know and so you know previously it was all about the dress and I would focus on finding shoes to match the dress Mm -hmm. but shoes I start to look at in a different way like wow I've been missing shoes Mm -hmm. you know
0: and so that's why you say you know dress from the shoes up
1: yes yes that's why and then you know shoes make you feel a certain way too yeah, you know, I stay in my pumps. <laughs> gives me a little height.
0: Uh huh. Gives you a little, you know,
1: poke a little few things off. Oh, out. yeah, girl. There's that. There is that. Yes, it does. And you know what? You can work those. You know how to work them, too. So <laughs> that always helps.
0: <laughs> so earlier today, um, I was with the uh, the president of the Black Chamber of Commerce, Ron Busby. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to um, some college prep kids Mm -hmm. and he was telling them that 50% of like your success or your outcomes come from um, what you know. Mm -hmm. 25% is based on your follow up. Okay. And 25% is based on your persistence.
1: Mm.
0: And. I remember us talking before about how you know you were trying to get in different manufacturer right. um, locations, and you know different things were happening. Mm-hmm. Whether it was because you're a woman or because right. you were international, right? How important is persistence um, when you are going after that next big challenge? I think
1: I think it's very important, and not only co- um, persistence but consistency. Mm. You know, I mean, that's a big thing about Italy, because the way they do business, um, they vet you before Mm -hmm. they take you in. It's not just like here where, you know, you want to do business with a company, you find the phone number, you call them up, and they're happy to take your call. Mm -hmm. Well, they sort of check you out and vet you, and they want to see that you're around and you're consistent, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there is also that persistence, because what I did is I went to Italy Consistently mm-hmm. showed my face. I shook hands. You know, I at that time I developed my samples. You know, I showed people. I put them on the website. I marketed my business, and people watched me. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that um, I was one of very few brown faces mm-hmm. that would attend um, any uh, uh, an expo where there were tens of thousands of people Mm -hmm. and so people remembered me Mm -hmm. you know every year I was that brown girl saying (laughs) hey you know just remember me right right right." check out my
0: swatches
1: (laughs) exactly and they and they remember me so it was after a while you know I started to develop to develop relationships Mm -hmm. which was important so yes I think consistency as well as persistence not giving up you know um, Barbara Conquering from Shark Tank, she said one thing that I really value. And she said, uh, success is based on how quickly you get up. Mm, mm. You know, and, and that's persistence. Once it knocks you down, right. 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 Because you can, you're, you can expect to be knocked down, in mm-hmm. other words. Mm-hmm. You know, some people see the first knockdown or the second or third, and they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to be in this. I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, so they just move to the side and somebody else is going to move forward in their place because you just have to keep going. It's, it's just all a part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, since the inception, what was your greatest lesson? So I would say my biggest lesson is to understand who I am creatively or what I want to say to the world mm-hmm. and own that mm-hmm. and stay with that mm-hmm. because... Knowing that if if you don't know that, you'll keep shifting Mm -hmm. because people are going to give you feedback, you know, oh, I don't like those shoes or oh, I never wear. Everything is not for everyone, Mm -hmm. but you have to know or, or I had to know you know, where I want it to be creatively Mm -hmm. and to be okay with it. I mean, you know how hard it was when I, when I made my first design to actually show people, I mean, it was a process because it's personal, Mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to just put it out there and just know this exists because it's supposed to. And I own it Mm -hmm. just like I own that dress, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think that's the biggest thing is to not waver.
0: And uh I often tell people um, in our branding classes that I, I speak about is just being authentic
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and owning, you know, exactly who you are. Right. Because when we know and can own and be truly authentic in our vision and our execution, right? then... There, we don't have that wavering. Exactly. Because we're confident. We're confidently walking and maneuvering through everything that we're doing. Right. Um, and I think that a lot of people who are creative can relate to it being very personal. Right. Um, think about, I mean, I can say like some of the first times that I've written short stories mm-hmm. or poetry mm-hmm. or whatever, when you share that and the feedback isn't what you you want, it can break you. It
1: really can. It It can really
0: break your confidence where you're like, no, I ain't writing nothing else. Right. And if I do, it's going to stay in my little journal. That's right. I'll just
1: keep it (laughs) to myself. That is so true. Because
0: to me, it's great. Mm -hmm. And if nobody else can accept it or isn't ready for it, you know, and so that's very powerful.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the follow up on that that I learned is, so stay true to who you are creatively or whatever it is that you want to do. And then... Find your customer. Mm, Yes. Seek out the customer that appreciates what you have to offer as opposed to just like throwing darts at something and finding which customers are sticking for you. You know, so I think that that is really important. And in fashion, you know, there's so much feedback and there's, there's so many volumes that I have to turn down like you know there's the hot trend color for the season and the hot heel color and this and that and I have to figure out okay who am who am I in all this right because a lot of people just say okay I'm gonna go right with the trend because I'm gonna sell a lot of Mm products but that's not who I am I mean trends come and go Mm -hmm. so I really I have to just shut things out shut down the noise
0: Now, I'm willing to bet that there is a listener tuned in who feels like their dream is beyond reality, Um, whether they feel it's too late for them to go after their dream or their goal, and they just don't know how it would even be possible. um, What would you say to that individual that might be in that state?
1: I would say the best thing um, for me, and and, and I would give to someone else, is to Uh, create a test for yourself. For me, it was producing samples of my first collection. Mm -hmm. And you want to just, you want to take a step to present it to the world, you know, present who you are, and then, you know, take baby steps Mm -hmm. and just make adjustments, you know, right? because um, it's hard taking that first step. Right, it's hard taking that first step, but you have to just put it out there and when you put it out there, you'll find, you know, as we were talking about people, you know, you'll you'll make your connections. I mean, some of the connections that I've made since I've actually launched launched and put myself out there are just incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and
1: having a store that's been another step that created more visibility and more contacts, but taking those taking each step that I've taken, I've seen how I've made connections to connect me to something else you know social media is a great platform Mm -hmm. to present Mm -hmm. what you want to do and your ideas and And get
0: free feedback
1: exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly so going
0: back to one of the things that
1: you previously
0: said in regards to like knowing your um your audience Mm -hmm. right and you kind of identifying it just reminds me of this what i think is a little funny um so when I first put out my book, mm-hmm. um, um, Omar Tari and I were like next to each other and we were both selling books together. Uh-huh. And I was like, OK, let me get your book. How much is your book? And he was like, oh, my um, hardback is $20. I'm like, oh, OK. He's like, how much is yours? I said 15. Mm-hmm. He was like, you're robbing people. Wait a second. <laughs> Why am I robbing people? Right. And he's like. Because your book is so thin, and I'm giving them all this. I said, well, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. What you won't do right. <laughs> is degrade what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Because you're writing fiction, and I'm writing fact, I'm giving people a product that they can actually utilize right. to generate revenue, to help them with their branding, and to do all these different things. Right. so." My audience may not be your audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if people aren't willing to pay for what they will get out of this book, then they're not my target audience. Yes. And I think a lot of times mm-hmm. with business owners, we 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 pull our hair out trying to figure out pricing. Right. right. Um, but I really think that knowing who your audience is, mm-hmm. who are you trying to work with? Right. What do you want your clientele to? What, what do you want their experience to be exactly and can it meet what you're able and capable of doing
1: right right so yeah that's that's really big that is really big and and so true mm-hmm. you know pricing and positioning is is just so important and you know when and when you know that you offer that value i think it's important to not um to not downgrade yourself
0: mm-hmm. you know because we're quick to do that especially when
1: you're starting out mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: Now, I don't think that there's anything wrong with um, working under someone that you aspire to kind of emulate or you want to be in a similar position as someone. Um, And I can say that there are a lot of times that I did work pro bono for people Mm -hmm. just for the exposure and the experience. Um, But I feel like today a lot of people aren't willing to do that. You know, it's kind of like, no, I need to be paid for this. Well, you don't know anything right now. So what am I paying you for?
1: (laughs) That's true. That's (laughs) very true. Now,
0: your shoes are made in the same factory as like Manolo, right? Yes. And other high-end luxury shoes. So why was it important for you to find a factory in Italy to manufacture the Tori Sudan collection?
1: Well, I feel like Italy, um, you know, the thing about shoes is the level of skill is really connected to where it's produced geographically. Mm -hmm. You know, China has a certain product Italy has a certain product, mm-hmm. and even within Italy, certain regions are known for different types of shoes, and they have different skill levels. Mm-hmm. So, you know, understanding that, and of course, you know, this is my brand, my babies, you know, my namesake, I will always want it the best, mm-hmm. the best quality. So, the Venetian region, which is where my shoes are produced, and other brands like Louis Vuitton, and my factory also makes uh, Christian Dior. In that region, they have the finest dress shoes, Mm -hmm. you know. In some other areas, they have more casual shoes. They have, you know, lower-priced shoes. Mm -hmm. But that area is where the finest shoes are made. So that's the area that I was always trying to get to. Mm -hmm. And Um, you're there now? I'm there now, yeah. Yeah. And so what that means for me is I feel like I'm in good hands. Mm -hmm. I really feel like I'm working with experts, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's one thing. To design a shoe, mm-hmm. but the execution of it also has to be done right. Right. You know, every shoe doesn't functionally work after it's drawn. Right. You know, and and the people that are manufacturing it need to know that. Right. You know, they need to know that the opening in the in the. Um, the upper is wide enough so you can actually get your foot in it. Right. You know, it. it they, they know the dimensions and the measurements and the pressure points on the foot to know that if you put a seam on this part of your foot, it's going to cause pain. So mm. they send me feedback and they say, you know what, Tori, I think you should consider, you know, adjusting this particular seam. And they speak English that well? Well, I have a production, <laughs> <laughs> I have a production <laughs> manager who speaks English. And I will one day speak Italian well. I'm, I'm trying, working on it. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: Now, how is it building a business that's technically international? Like, you know, like we were just saying, like the language barriers, like how, how does that work out?
1: Yeah, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. And um, one of the reasons that I have a production manager now is because I've realized that translation, clear and uh, accurate translation, mm-hmm. is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at one, one time, I was the point of contact with my factory. So mm. I was using my, you know, low-level... Italian, Uh they were using their low level English and we were trying to, you know, make it work. Make it work. (laughs) So, you know, it's always a problem when you put in, you know, a production order for burgundy shoes and they come out pink, right? So, you know, there are things like that and you can't read these shoes. Right. I realized that that was really important, right? To to have that communication clear. So you got to invest where.
0: Where it needs to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So thank you so much for sharing this wealth of information with us about how the Tory Sudan collection came to be. And during our second half of the show, we're going to talk about fashion. But for now, it's time to get techie with Tech Talk. All right. It's time to get techie with Tech Talk. Today, we have Ms. Jaleesa Johnson in studio with us to bring us an oldie but goodie. So what is this oldie, Miss Jaleesa?
2: Hey, Angel, I'm back in studio and I have an oldie but goodie because I'm finding an increase in consultants that I meet do not have a LinkedIn profile.
0: Now, why is it important or why do you get why are you disturbed by the fact that people don't have this LinkedIn profile?
2: Because I get so many business cards. And when I go to research about the person, about their business, if you don't have a website as a consultant, you certainly have to have some type of profile online. The way of the world is to be searchable.
0: Right. You want people to you want to be able to say, Google me and something of
2: substance comes up. Right? I want to find you and I want to find out things about you and I want to find out what other people have to say about you. Mm-hmm. And I want to know who you know. Maybe you know somebody that I know. Now you have references. Mm -hmm. So LinkedIn is a great reference point for consultants, especially.
0: Now, what are some of the key things that you look for when you are evaluating potential um, consultants to bring on board?
2: Um, Education, um, work experience, um, how many people have hit your blogs or are, are writing up about you. What type of things you're looking at to bring into business?
0: Now... More specifically, um, you you hit on this a little earlier as you were speaking about the the recommendations Mm -hmm. um, and being able to see that. How important is it to utilize people within your network and say, hey, would you mind writing me a recommendation?
2: As a consultant, you're just you. So if you're consulting for multiple companies, people want to know that those companies were satisfied with your work. You want to have somebody out there that can give you a good reference. If you don't have a reference and you've been in business as a consultant for five years, then I certainly am not interested in doing business with you either. (laughs)
0: Okay, well, thank you for keeping it very um, clear and poignant as to why LinkedIn is a great resource for not only consultants, but for all of our business professionals out there. If you're looking for a good social media platform, I think LinkedIn is one that you definitely want to give it a shot. All right, um, if you want more information on LinkedIn, visit our website at wbbtalk.com. Welcome back to the Woman Behind the Business talk show. I'm your host, Angel Livas, and we have the dynamic Tori Sedan in studio with us today. During our first half, we talked about how Tori found her passion and what it took for Tori's collection inside Tyson's 2 Galleria in McLean, Virginia to come to be. Now we're ready to some fashion tips, aren't we? Yes? Yes, absolutely. All
1: right.
0: right. So, for 2018, what can we expect? We'll start with your collection. Mm -hmm. What can we expect to see um, for summer and
1: fall? Okay. Well, for the spring-summer, I'm um, I'm happy that I'm introducing some shoes that are a little bit more comfortable. Okay. Very, still very chic and stylish, um, but also there's that balance, right? Because, you know, not only do we like our three or four inch heels, <laughs> but we also like to go to the beach and go to the vineyard yeah. and all those things. Mm-hmm. So there's that balance that you'll see in the collection. Um, consistent with other seasons, you'll also see you know, the, the bright, bold colors and lots of textures. Okay. I always love to, um, when I design, I, I think about, I imagine how, sho- how the shoes would look if they were photographed in a black and white photo. Mm. Um, I really just love textures and contrasts Mm -hmm. uh, between, you know, shiny and, you know, suede and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So speaking of suede, what's a good product to clean suede?
1: Oh, well, there are several um, (laughs) suede protector products. Okay, so Um, we should protect it before we wear it? Absolutely. Spray it before you wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, spray it and let it dry before you wear it.
0: Okay, so... Mm -hmm. For our winter things that, you know, some people may have already put up their winter boots. Right. What would you say, like, do we need to take them out if we did not spray our um, suede boots? Take them out, spray them, and then, you know, put them up for the season?
1: I I would. I mean, I would spray them if you haven't sprayed them when you first purchased them. I Mm -hmm. would just spray them as soon as possible because you want to just get that protection, that stain protection, um, to really just keep it nice and plush Mm -hmm. for a long time and keep the color vibrant for as long as possible.
0: Okay. Now, outside of, like, the suede cleaner, and we were talking about this a little bit offline earlier – When it comes to keeping your shoes protected, how often should you be taking your shoes to the cobbler? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think you have to just, like, check your shoes. Probably every—if you wear them often, you may want to check them every three months or so. What are we checking? You're checking. (laughs) Good question. You want to look at the soles. You want to look at the heel taps, which is the little— tap that goes on the bottom of your heel. Mm-hmm. You never, ever want to let that wear down. Right. And then it starts making that click, click, click. Right, <laughs> right, right. So the whole objective is to protect, to, to watch the bottom and the wear the wear on the bottoms of your shoe mm-hmm. and to make sure, you know, that that's maintained. Sort of like changing the oil on your car, right? You mm-hmm. know, you have a, a quality car, but if you don't keep the oil changed, then the car is not going to work well. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with shoes. So
0: um, one of the things that we notice in my Tour suit on shoes that I have on today that I wear a lot um, is that like the tips of my soles, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. is like worn. Mm-hmm. So at this point, is there any recovery or am I just
1: screwed? No, I, I would I would have the, the soles replaced. okay and then the. You whole know, depend- Oh, yeah, you can have the whole sole replaced. And then it also depends on the way people walk. I mean, some people wear shoes more heavily in one area or another. Yeah, I'm like a tips person. If you're a tips person, then, you know, it may make sense to take your shoes to the cobbler even before you wear them and, and have like a little a little tip put on. Like a little metal thing or that little like plastic thing that goes under the shoe? Um, you can put the, the little <laughs> metal. The metal would be the best protector. Do they have a gold medal? Because I can't have silver medal with these bronze shoes. <laughs> I'm sure shoes. <laughs> they do. I'm sure they do.
0: Okay. So, okay. So, when we're checking out our shoes to d- determine when's a good time to take it to the cobbler, mm-hmm. we need to evaluate our soles. Right. And the taps. Right. Okay. Now, what about, like, um, when you take it and let's say you get a scuff or something on it, but you have one of these vibrant, bold colors that the cobbler says, I don't have a color in here. What, what do you do then?
1: Well, you know, you want to find a good cobbler. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, they're, they they can polish, you know, the leather. And maybe maybe that particular cobbler didn't have a solution. But if you go to a really good one, you know, I, I know some good ones. And, and, you know, you want to go to a good one that um, is really used to working on high quality shoes mm-hmm. and, you know, bringing them back back to life. But it's about the polishing, you know. Sometimes they can mix the colors and and find a a good combination.
0: For the summer, I know you mentioned um, bold colors. Mm -hmm. What are some of the bold colors we can expect to see this summer?
1: Well, um, you'll see a lot of like Burnt oranges and beautiful yellows. Black and white is also, you know, a big color. That's like a stable. Yes, it is. It's what I got on today? It is, <laughs> um, and then also pinks. Pinks are really hmm. strong
0: this oh, wow. season. So, do you have any pink shoes coming out that were supposed to be burgundy? No. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> but you have some pink shoes coming out this, I, this I season. Do. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: I do. Uh huh. Okay.
0: Wonderful. Did you bring us any shoes to look at
1: today? You know what? I brought a couple because I didn't know if you want to see yes, them. Yes, of
0: course. So, we can talk about them to our audience to let them know what's coming up for the summer. Yes,
1: <clears throat> I do have, like, these are my new casual oh, These uh, are like my Prada ones. Casual Tia slides okay
0: so ladies if you like the sparkly shoes these are like black glitter um kind of platform with a wide um band going across them it's it's like a perfect like everyday shoe you could wear these with everything um you could dress it up and dress it down Do you have uh, this shoe in different colors?
1: So it comes in blue. And And this one's called the Tia? The Tia Slide. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I believe, you know, a lot of people, you know, you want to, even though you're casual and comfortable, Mm -hmm. you still want to be chic, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know? And so I I, I believe in balance, Mm -hmm. you know, at at least even for myself. You know, sometimes I want to wear my four-inch heels, but then I want to, you know, bring it down a little. But I don't want to bring the... The level of style down. down. (laughs) (laughs) Still trying to be chic and cute. Yes. 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 And this is another model, um, the Camila Pump that I introduced this season. It has a little bit of a rounder toe. And you can see that the heel is a little bit uh, lower. Okay. But I do also have my higher heels as well. These are just some models.
0: And I like that you, um, for most of your designs, you do them in like a two-hill height. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. for the people who like the style of the shoe, but are like, you yeah, know, I can't wear that high heel. Right. There's typically an option for them as well. Right. These are pretty. Thank you. So these are like, you want to describe these, you know,
1: because our audience can't necessarily see them. Is this like a metallic suede? Yes, exactly. It's a suede um, herringbone pattern that, um, you know, one of the things that I try to find is, is just like unique leather and... um Textures within mm-hmm. the shoes, like, for like I was saying, for this would look amazing in a black and white photo. Um, but yeah, this is um suede, a uh, herringbone textured suede. I feel like you love suede. your
0: suede, I feel like that's your signature look. Like, you can always find. You know, somewhere
1: in the shoe, mm-hmm. there's going to be some suede. A lot of times, yes. A lot of times, yes. You well, know, I these. Color- there's no suede. Right, right. But I do have some leather also. But suede, one of the, it, it really brings the color out. Mm-hmm. You know, makes the color really strong, nice and rich. Uh huh. And suede is actually tends to be more comfortable than leather, also.
0: Oh, because it gives a little bit more. Yeah.
1: Interesting.
0: All right. So <clears throat> when you think fashion, um, and I know you encourage people to design their outfits from the shoe up. Um, why is it important to kind of think about your shoe first? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, like I alluded to earlier, I think that shoes make people feel a certain way mm-hmm. or there's something about shoes that transforms the way people feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like uh, people that um, follow um What is it called? Gestures. uh, Body language. Mm, Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty universal, no matter what language someone speaks, Mm -hmm. that at the end of the race, they put their hands into a V when they cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sign of being victorious, yes. right? And so there's studies that show if you do that, even without having crossed the race, you know, it can really, you know, get your adrenaline going and boost your confidence. Mm-hmm. So I believe that there's something similar about shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, you put on shoes, it kind of makes you stand taller, mm-hmm. makes you feel more confident, and it makes it so that you can really just take on your day, mm-hmm. you know, and just... Be that power woman and, and and ace that meeting or that, you know, presentation. So that's one of the things I love about shoes. But I, that's why I think it's important. You know, a lot of people, you know, they don't they don't wear flip flops to an important meeting. And mm. there's a reason for that. Right.
0: No, I agree. All right. So this has been amazing. I love the shoes, the information that you shared. I know. I found value in it. I hope our listeners found value in it. Um, But we've come to the point in the show where we do our moments from the valley. Okay. But before we do, we are going to head over to Dr. Tia Hill and let her lead us in our WBB health tips. Stay with us. It's that time in the show for the Women Behind the Business health tip with Dr. Tia Hill. Today, we are going to talk about what, Dr. Hill? Metabolism. All right. So talk to me about metabolism. What is it? metabolism
3: is how your body processes what goes inside of it. And this is the layman terms because I know you don't like when I talk (laughs) medical.
0: All right. So what are some different things? Because I think on a regular basis, we hear, oh, I have a slow metabolism Mm -hmm. or my thyroid affects my metabolism Mm -hmm. and all these different things. Can you break that down for us? Like, what does it mean to have a slow and what does it mean to have a fast metabolism?
3: So I'm going to use layman terms examples. Um, You remember when you were younger and you could eat Anything under the sun and it did not sit in that lovely place called your midsection Mm -hmm. That is when your metabolism was high meaning that it was always rapidly going just Just eating up and using those vitamins pulling those nutrients out As we've gotten older we slow down we change and then our body slows down and change too Especially if we stop working out Mm -hmm. especially if we're not drinking water um, If we do have a thyroid situation um, If we even have hypo diabetes. Mm-hmm. So, all of these different things have a- affect you. So, a rapid fast metabolism means that you burn relatively fast. Mm. Slow means that your body will hold it and it can just sit in your system for a period of time.
0: So, yes. Now, what are some different things if possible? That we can do. Because I don't think any of us want a slow metabolism. At least I don't, based on what you're selling me.
3: Right. So one of the things, I guess, the the going thing of 2018 is breakfast. Making sure that you get... because that's when your metabolism starts um i would also say fiber you gotta have them bowel movements <laughs> seriously people don't like it but a good bowel movement keeps you moving
0: <laughs> it does you should at least have two to at least two a day okay so if i want to speed up my metabolism like how is you know is this a process like i gotta do this for two weeks of eating breakfast like what are some surefire ways
3: to one i would do a detox first that's what i tell anyone who has not had their system clean or regulated in a very long period of time. Do a detox. Once you start doing the detox, then start integrating normal practices. This is a lifestyle change. It cannot be a rapid, quick, surefire. I'm gonna do this today, and I want these results. In order to speed it up, you're gonna have to be consistent, and it goes over time. It does not happen because you ate breakfast two times. Oh, I should burn <laughs> fat. It is not. And I think that that's one of the things that we don't tell people is that this has to be a lifestyle, and this has to be for what you want for you in the
0: Now, when you are eating breakfast, and I'm guessing we're talking about a nice hearty breakfast that is healthy in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there other things like, you know, snacking throughout the day? Should I be eating, you know, six small meals throughout the day or what, what, how does that play into this? I always, one of the things that we've learned over the years is that
3: everybody's body is different. Mm-hmm. So with different genotypes, types, each person can do something a little bit different. But well, what I do think is that everyone, and I recommend is that you eat at least three solid meals with two snacks or two snacks with a heavy lunch. Like I've noticed some people who will eat lunch primarily but and have a very light dinner. So just make sure that you know what your two meals are that you want to have that are solid, be it breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner.
0: Now, what are some good hearty and healthy snacks? And when I say hearty, I don't want a snack where I'm still going to be hungry. Well, I think that what we also have to remember is that our stomach is the
3: size of our fist. And so over the years, we have elongated it to where it can hold more food than it's supposed to. Also, um, finding hearty foods, and a lot of people are becoming vegan. So eggplant has a texture like meat, and it's also very whole and filling. Squash, zucchini, um, as well as um, certain fruits like papayas and different things. They will hold you too. Understanding portobello mushrooms. You can have them with breadcrumbs and different things. Um, Understanding how to have your fish. Um, some fish have omega three, which is also a good fatty uh, protein. Um, I'm thinking of some other things off the top of my head, but eggs. Um, don't forget lean meat. Mm. So you know, I know some people hate the other white meat, which is pork, but sometimes that it works as well. Lamb is also very feeling <laughs> if you know how to cook it
0: and it's not too gamey. So this has been wonderful. Thank you. So I hope our ladies are ready to go out there and start working on their metabolism, um, because I feel like the metabolism part goes hand in hand with our workout mm-hmm. and our, you know, eating a nutritious meal. And our
3: thinking it goes with our thinking too. Think clear
0: when our metabolism's faster. No, when
3: we're just doing right, like we're working out, we're eating better. We think clear.
0: Okay, well, awesome. Thank you, Dr. Tia Hill and ladies um, and gentlemen tuned in. We hope that this has been informational for you. And to get more information, visit us online at wbbtalk.com. Okay, now it's time for Moments from the Valley. This is when you share a valley moment that you didn't think you would overcome and how you actually overcame the situation. So, Tori.
1: Yes, well, my moment from the valley was when I first started. Um, after I did my samples and everything, I was ready to move on to my first production. And like I mentioned, you know, there are different areas in Italy that have different talent levels. Well, I uh, first committed to a factory that didn't have the talent that was needed to produce my line the way I wanted. And so I I had the manufacture a small production that was unsuccessful. And so I had to create a ghost label And liquidate them. And so, you know, it was very humbling because I actually did the work of ripping out my labels and putting in the ghost labels. And, you know, it was just that I I really feel like it was something that I had to go through. Mm -hmm. It really humbled me and really made me um, understand the importance of having a good partnership with a good factory, and creating a quality product. So, you know, it, it really it really took me back. I mean, I, I was like, it was like probably a year that it took me to recover from that. Just, you know, being discouraged. I was mm-hmm. discouraged for a minute. Mm-hmm.
0: And so what was waiting on the other side once you were able to get back in the game and...
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, Like I said, I kept going to Italy and kept building relationships. And someone actually gave me their contact information, which people never do. They gave me their contact for their production manager. Mm. And they had seen that production. And they said, you know what, your designs are great. You know, you just need the right people to produce your line. And they said... I'm going to do something that I never do. I'm going to give you my contact. And so they did that. And it just changed everything for me, you know. And so from there, I really started to understand, you know, how important it is to be in a good factory Mm -hmm. and with people who know what they're doing. You know, because in Italy, they have all factories aren't really Italian product. They have workers in some factory that come in from different countries and work in the factory. Mm -hmm. So the product being produced is technically not really the Italian Italian product. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was one of the lessons.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you went through it because now the products that you are pushing out are superb, and I absolutely love them. And I encourage everyone to check out the Tory uh, Sedan collection at the um, Tyson's 2 Galleria in McLean, Virginia. Um, or you can visit it online. You want to give out your social media and your website?
1: Yes. Well, we are on Instagram, Facebook at Tori Sudan, and uh, our website is torisudan.com. And also, within 40 miles of the store, we have complimentary same-day delivery service.
0: Yes, that is awesome. And we gave the website, right? ToriSudan.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's the show for today. Please be sure to check out Pat's broadcast on our website, WBBTalk.com, and pick up your copy of The Washington Informer to see The Woman Behind the Business Spotlight section tomorrow. And of course, follow us on social media at WBBTalk. A special thank you to our show producer, Kyle Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.